Welcome to Gapology Radio with your hosts, Mark Tinas and Brian Brockhoff. This is your leadership development podcast where they share unique insights with the purpose of helping leaders achieve their greatest potential. You can learn more by reading their books, Gapology, Imbar, and Speed of Purpose, or by participating in one of their workshops. All of this and more can be found on their website, gapology.org. Hey everybody, welcome to Gapology Radio. We have another great topic to share with you tonight. But before we get going though, I'd like to remind you that we are here for you. This podcast is designed to give you glimpses into what Gapology, Imbar, and Speed of Purpose are all about and give you some usable tips on how you can improve your leadership using the various methods and tools in our books. So with that being said, we really want to make sure that this is useful, helping to solve the real world things that you deal with in your everyday leadership life. So to help with that, I'd like to invite you to send in your comments and suggestions for those things, and we can see if we can work them into our own rotation and share how our methods can help. You can use our email, contact at gapology.org, to reach us. That's contact at gapology.org. We look forward to seeing your comments and questions and see how we can help. Okay, well, our topic for tonight is removing underperformers the right way with Gapology. This is one of those real-world topics that all leaders deal with, and it can be tricky waters to navigate. And as a little disclaimer, I do want to say that the formal process of corrective action is one where you will need to follow all applicable regulations, laws, and your specific company policies. Our advice tonight is designed to help make the most of your leadership skills by applying Gapology methods to create a structured approach building consistency and fairness, along with establishing a strong foundation that includes proper documentation and a partnership with your own organizational leadership and human resources departments. As with all of our topics on our podcast episodes, we are simply sharing the things that we've discovered by working with leaders like you from all industries around the country. All right, so let's get tonight's show rolling and give Martinez a call. Hey, Mark, how are you doing? Hey, Brian. Uh, good. I had a long day. Traveled to San Francisco and back. Okay. But I'm I'm here because you requested me to be here. <laughs> well, that's good. Glad you uh, value my request. <laughs> and I'm sure all the listeners will be very happy that you're here. So it, it was a heavy traffic day because it was the day after a holiday. Okay. But here I am. Okay. Well, good. Well, I'm glad you made it and uh, made it safe and sound. So that's good. Um, so tonight we're going to talk about, uh, this is an interesting topic. Um, this one's all about removing underperformers the right way with Gapology. So I think there's a bias out there that um, if a team member is under, underperforming, that it's their fault and they need to be immediately removed from the team. I've seen this time and time again, working with different leaders that, you know, if, if somebody's underperforming, they just need to go. Um, but I think the reality is that if a team member is underperforming, the leader needs to use Gapology is a, a great uh, method to do this um, to really ensure that they've closed any performance gaps that they own as the leaders, those knowledge gaps, those importance gaps, and that they've done everything that they can in their power to correct the behavior first uh, by documenting corrective action conversations if necessary, but having those conversations up front to really set them up to remove the person responsibly and quickly if they do end up needing to, to do that. So um, what do you think? Well, yeah, so this is a big deal. 
Yeah. So um, in Gapology, we labeled everyone on a team as an A player, the top performers, a B player, the middle group, which we didn't touch, and the C players, the bottom performing group. And we stated in Gapology that we found more A players in the C group than in the B group. Yeah. Which yeah. is which is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So I would start off by saying that not all underperformers are underperformers. Some of them are simply underled. And that's where the mirror for the leader comes in. Uh, leaders that don't know gapology often create underperformers. So the message, everyone needs to understand gapology. So underperformers may not be underperformers. So can I continue down that topic? Yeah, no, I love that. And I love the, uh, they're not under, not, they may not be underperformers. They may just be underled. I love that. I'll write that down. <laughs> write, write that down, Brian. We'll put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so often underperforming team members do so because there's gaps in leadership. Well, that's a tough one since often leaders are listening to this message, tough message. But hey, let's we want to win here. Uh, let's again examine the mirror. So if if a team member uh, does not understand the expectations clearly, uh, that's your issue. So the first thing you need to do is ask, you know, what do we expect? What are the metrics? What are the measures of performance here? And it's a very interesting question. And uh, if you get a great answer, then you've led correctly. After that one, you need to go to what are the behaviors that equal those expectations? So in expectations, Brian and I have recommended that you narrow that down to three. If you could give everyone three metrics that measure great performance, you're going to win big. But then what are the behaviors that equal those three metrics? They need to be understood by the team. It's a, it's a big deal. And then you tie the behaviors and the expectations to the purpose, ask questions around that. And often you will find that this underperformer is simply underled. So now you put the ball back in their court and uh, you move on. So that, that's how you as a leader lead. And uh, not all underperformers are underperformers. Some are simply underled. Absolutely. I think that is a fundamental truth that most leaders never consider. You know, they just automatically go to corrective action and they never take a step back and do that looking in the mirror piece. I think that's critical. And I think that's also, you know, when you talk about equity and being fair to to the team and that kind of thing, I think it's critical that the leader does that. They need to make sure that they're closing the the knowledge, importance, and action gaps, um, owning what they own um, before they even consider moving to the corrective action piece. Yeah. So do we have a corrective action issue or 
if this person is new, do we have a flaw in our hiring process? Are we incapable of interviewing uh, leader issue? Have we failed to identify the five core competencies? That's a good number. Uh, five core competencies of who we're looking for. That's a leader issue. So what's the breakdown? Did we just hire this person who, you know, you know, can perform or which is our issue as leaders? Or, you know, have we simply not trained them effectively and, and so on and set them up to win? Again, when the expectations are clear, when the behaviors that equal the expectations are clear, when those tie to the purpose, everything seems to come together. It's all right there. So we have found significant, listen to this, write this down. Not you, Brian, but everyone else. Write this down. We have found a, found a significant number of top performers that were initially labeled underperformers. And the issue was not theirs, it was ours. And as soon as we were clear on the expectations, we were clear on the behaviors that equaled the expectations. We were clear on those, on how those tied to the purpose. Those individuals became top performers. So it's often about us as leaders. What do you think, Brian? Oh, absolutely. I think the, uh, just the tactics that we follow when we bring somebody on board, it's just starting there, you know, it's just starting really in the knowledge gap section. You know, are we ensuring that we have a training process that includes those trackable, trackable elements, you know, the things that you were talking about there as far as the behaviors and the metrics? Do we have that process in place? Do we have a coaching process in place to provide growth from, you know, a knowledge-based learning process to a skill-building process? You know, do we have those things established or do we need to build them? And, and if, if not, then it is a leader issue. You know, I think we need to do that. Um, being able to ask the team members to explain the process that we're teaching, especially if it's an area that they're underperforming. Um, you know, are we walking them through all the steps so that we can validate the knowledge? Um, are we having them demonstrate the process? Um, we need to look at all those things to validate that knowledge gap in particular is closed. Oh, totally. Yeah, no, that's, that's right on. Yeah, so if you look at the knowledge gap, often it's driven by the training gap. And again, we likely executed the training for someone you know newly hired. Uh, in today's job market, it is very difficult to find great people. We are hiring people with different skill sets. We are hiring people different maybe than the job profile would recommend. Training has to be stellar. It has to be followed up on. It has to be verified. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, the best method following training is to assign a mentor, someone to help the person get to that next level. In either case, if training is an issue, that has created a knowledge gap. The leader owns that knowledge gap. That person you've labeled as an underperformer does not own that knowledge gap. You do. Own it, ensure that you've closed that knowledge gap. That is the first step in someone becoming a top performer. It's got to be closed. And today it is difficult. You also combine that with remote workforce, 
where you're not with the person necessarily, that's a challenge. You, your plate is full. Uh, closing the knowledge gap is a big deal. You do not achieve gapology until you close that knowledge gap. That's the first step. You've got to close it. And today you have to close it potentially on a video. You have to close it in different ways. So you need to look in the mirror, look at yourself, re-examine how you're doing it. It, it may not be working. And the underperformer may be a top performer and you as a leader become the issue. Once that's on the table, everything can change. Yeah, yep, absolutely. I was actually on a, a webinar training call today. Um, it was just one I had signed up for. It's from the e, e-learning um, platform, I think. Um, anyway, I get you know all these random emails and this one actually seemed kind of interesting. And they were talking about how do you validate that training was successful and that it's making an impact. I can't remember the exact title of it, but something like that. But it was interesting how the conversation was all about the training piece, but not necessarily the validation piece. And nowhere in there did they talk about importance. And I thought, oh, that's interesting because training then needs to lead to that, closing that, that importance gap. The two need to be connected, especially with a uh, remote workforce. Let, let, me, let me interrupt you momentarily. Yeah. And I'll come back to you. So you're correct. So the knowledge gap and the importance gap, if you look at gapology, it goes knowledge, importance, action, knowledge, importance, action. Today, definitely knowledge and importance are tied together. They're, they're, they're one. So knowledge and importance have to be achieved in order to achieve action. Action is performance. So this is huge. If a person does not understand why we're doing what we're doing, the knowledge gap falls apart. It, it just falls apart because the importance gap isn't closed. They're closely connected, as Brian is pointing out. They're, they're tied together. So we have to combine those into one. And the leader owns both the knowledge gap and the importance gap. The leader owns that. That underperformer does not own that. You have to give them that. You have to close that for them. Uh, back to you real quick, yeah. Brian. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And and one of the things that was not discussed was how do you involve or how do you roll the importance piece into the training when it's done over Zoom, you know, for instance? it's it You have such a small window to really train somebody where yeah. it, in the old old school days, you'd train somebody and you're right there to to follow up with them and ensure that that importance gap is closed. But um, with, with doing it in a, in a, like a little one hour session, and then you don't talk to them for, you know, another week or whatever, that stuff gets lost. And I just think that that's such a crucial piece. No, that's huge. That is huge. So one of the, one of the keys is to tie the training process, which is designed to close the knowledge gap with a mentor who has already achieved the outcome that you're wanting them to achieve. They, they, they're already there. They explain the why, and you tie, therefore, the knowledge gap and the importance gap together. The importance gap is about the why to the expectations, the set of metrics that 
we're measuring, the why to the set of behaviors that we are expecting, how that ties to the purpose. And often someone that is already performing that role can best explain it. So this mentor assigned to a new person is a great idea. If someone is already on the team, they've been on the team a while and they're not performing, if you simply ask why we do what we do, you as a leader examine yourself, look in the mirror, and you hear you know, what you've taught. And it's, it's a great gut check because it helps you whether this person is going to make it on the team or not. It helps you look at yourself and understand the message that you are delivering. You've got to combine the knowledge gap and the importance gap, and you have to ensure that they're closed as a leader. There can be no gap in knowledge. There can be no gap in why we do what we do, which is the importance gap. Back to you, Brian. Yeah, definitely. And in looking at our root solutions that we talk about under the importance gap, some of the tactical things that uh, can be done to validate that the importance gap is closed. Because I think validating, um, that's critical. When, when we're talking about removing an underperformer from a team, we have to follow our company policies. We have to follow the right procedures, the legal procedures. We need to follow all that. We need to follow the advice from our, our human resources departments and that kind of thing. And following gapology helps with that. So validating that the knowledge gap is closed, validating that the importance gap is closed by ensuring that the behavioral and the result expectations are clearly documented and, and then the communication of them is clearly documented. Um, ensuring that the team members have agreed to performing the expectations. Uh, reviewing the priority list that you set for the team members. Is, is it built to deliver your purpose and your expectations? Um, have you kept them in simple, easy to remember format? Um, these are some of the kind of, kind of things that we need to make sure that we're doing so that when we do get to the point where, you know what, we are going to make the decision to with this person to corrective action, we're setting that, that process up for success. Yeah. When the knowledge gap and importance gap are closed, the ball is in the team members court. Yeah. They've got to perform. They've got to perform. Yep. Yeah, so, action gaps all about them taking the ball and running with it. Yeah. So let me talk about that. One of the great success stories that Brian and I have been a part of has been where the action gap is closed by exception reporting. So there is a reporting regiment where the team is um, ranked by their results that everyone is clear on, that everyone understands the knowledge gap and importance gap pieces of. and. Every uh, week in a rhythmic fashion, the results are reported and the top performers are allowed to describe how they achieve those results. That closes the action gap at a significant level. We've already confirmed that the knowledge and importance gap are closed, but now we're listening to those that have achieved the outcome that we're looking for, and they've described how they're getting there. Very helpful for the team, very cultural, very um, forward-looking to where, wow, I'd love to be the one you know, presenting that today. 
And that is a significant movement towards closing the action gap with the entire team. Picture this. Everybody on the team then has access to the actions that were taken by the top performer. How powerful is that? Yeah, absolutely. That creates that momentum that Judy was talking about last week, right? Um, yeah. You get everybody sharing the things that actually work. Well, let's replicate that. Let's not rethink everything. If you just look to see what actually works, let's duplicate that and we all win. So leaders, if you are not doing exception reports, which is simply a ranking by key metrics on a regular basis, daily, weekly, quite frequently, you're robbing your team of gapology. We need to know who the top performers are because we can pick up the phone and call them. <laughs> yep. How are you doing that? Oh, oh, wow. I'm not doing Wow. Okay. Got it. Call you next week. That's a big deal. The other thing that we found that works is gap calls. We write about it in Gapology. So we took a group of underperformers, but separated them individually and held gap calls with them. We found out if the knowledge gap was closed. We found out if the importance gap was closed. And we got them to commit, once those were closed, to a series of results. And we held gap calls weekly. So a week would go by and we would see what the movement was in the results. And we knew that the, that the knowledge gap and importance gaps were closed because that was part of the discussion. We asked questions, we listened, we understood. We explained so that they understood if there were any gaps. And gap calls led to, in a Fortune 500 company, I can just name one off the top of my head, to the top performance in the industry. It was significant. So gap calls with underperformers on a weekly basis, not beat up calls, not punitive calls, simply supportive, ensuring that the knowledge importance gaps are closed became significant. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. I think the um, the power of commitment can't be understated. I think that's so important. And when you have a, um, as you're describing that, I'm thinking, you know, this is really a culture of sharing, not shaming. You know, you wow, talk about- right you, Write that down. <laughs> okay, I'll write that one down. That's, <laughs> that's time. not in any book we've written. That's great. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's well, I, I'm just referencing what you mentioned last week when you were talking about a culture of where you don't shame people. And I love that because that then does create that commitment uh, that you really need from your team to take action and move the team forward. Wow, yeah. So Brian and I designed the habit ladder. We own the habit ladder. And the habit ladder, for any of you that haven't read Gapology, became pretty much a worldwide phenomenon. So it's known worldwide now. And the third step of the habit ladder, which is designed to create habit in a, in a team, 
is to ask for their agreement or their commitment. And this is a big deal with underperformers. Once the knowledge gap and importance gap are closed, and you ask, do I have your commitment to this set of behaviors? Do I have your commitment or agreement to these metrics? Once you gain that, it's incredibly powerful to moving them to the result. It's the power of the mind is just, it's so powerful because it drives that emotional response that people have. So if you can get them to mentally agree to it, I think it really drives that emotional commitment to whatever action that is. Yeah. So that's a tactic to think about. Really introduce the habit ladder to your team. And um, another tactic that we've heard of that we have used that works, especially with lower level employees, team members, is to run a 4 p.m. drill. Um, It's an oversimplification of the timing. But what if at the end of the day, 4 p.m., close close to the end of the day, literally daily, you talk to that team member, ask them how the day went, have them review with you what they accomplished, maybe photographs, maybe documents, whatever the role may require. And you can immediately connect with knowledge and importance gap issues and close those. You can immediately connect if action gap is the issue. And let me tell you, if action gap is the issue, they own it, but you can put it right back in their court. So what I'm calling the 4 p.m. drill can be an incredible way of determining if you have an underperformer or someone that's simply underled. It all comes out right then. Yeah, I love that. And they see your commitment to helping them improve. Which, you know, in, in that corrective action conversation that sometimes does have to happen, uh, you know, if you're doing this 4 p.m. drill, there's no way they have any sort of leg to stand on to say that you didn't care. You didn't put in the effort. You didn't give them what they needed because um, you're doing this every day. You're, you know, you're touching base with them every day. That's that's going to be just built into the whole process. Yeah. And it's not going to go on for long. Right. Right. For sure. Either Either you're not going to need to do it because they've overcome it, or you've determined, wow, we have an underperformer and we need to, we need to move on. Yep. So it, it all comes down to what, what, you know, we said in the beginning, not all underperformers are underperformers. Some of them are simply underled. You need to find out who those are. You need to look in the mirror because that may be a leadership issue. And uh, you need to apply gapology. And when you apply gapology, you know, results are off the charts. I heard from one of our gapology clients um, from five years ago. Five years ago, we, we went chain wide for a year and taught gapology. And they are performing at a level that's beyond belief. They've nearly tripled their business in that wow. five-year time frame. And they use Gapology every day and it works. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yep. Okay, cool. All right. Any uh, last thoughts before we wrap this one up? You know, uh, the biggest thing is that underperformers may be a leadership issue and you need to own it as leaders. Uh, if it's not a leadership issue, then maybe you have a hiring issue, uh, you know, acquire, you know, 
look at your hiring process, your onboarding process. But in either case, if you own it as a leader, great results are right around the corner. Awesome. Yep. You know, the the last thing I just want to say with this is just validate that you've closed the knowledge gap, validate that you've closed the importance gap, validate that you've closed the action gap, work through the root solutions, everything that, that you've already heard on uh, this series of podcasts that we've been doing. Um, we're giving you a lot of great tools to use. If you start applying these things, create consistency, make sure you're, you're documenting conversations, those kinds of things. Um, if you do have to end up removing a, an underperformer, make sure you do it the right way. And Gapology is really a great uh, tool for that. So, All right. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, right. everybody. Yep. Thanks, Mark. We'll talk to you later. All right. That'll do it from here. For more information on Gapology, Imbar, or Speed of Purpose, head on over to our website, gapology.org. Everybody have a fantastic week. We'll talk to you soon. This has been a Gapology Institute production. Visit us at gapology.org.